1: podcasting network. I'm your host, David Sunday. Thanks for joining me today. And if you have any thoughts about the episode and want to reach out, you can reach me at sunday underscore groove underscore on Twitter, or l i l l o on Instagram. Um, This is episode 37. And I'm back with friend producer and frequent guest Andy Helene. How are you, man? I'm great, David. Thanks for having me back. Of course. I think it's funny. This episode has been in the works for a little while, but like, it wasn't one that like we set out to do originally. We were just talking about Down randomly through text, and then you're like, we could do an episode on this. And it was perfect, because it's definitely a band that I know a lot about. Um, and I've spent a lot of time with a lot of their music. So, yeah, it wasn't one that required tons of digging.
2: Yeah, definitely. Like, um I was as I think I said off air, I was digging and making notes, but as I was doing it and diving into this music, it's like always kinda on the top of my head anyways. I don't really need to do much research. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I went back and listened to actually by the time we recorded
1: I listened to everything. Um but uh, but yeah, as as I was going back through a lot of it, I'm like I remembered it pretty well. Um But as always, um, I like to start with uh, Current Spins, my segment on current music that I'm listening to. Um, Andy, do you have any new music or anything that you're obsessed with lately that's not Shinedown?
2: (laughs) Um, Well, that has been the big obsession. But um, I guess other than um, diving into Shinedown, um, Iron Maiden recently uh, released a new album, I don't want to butcher it, but I'm probably going to. It's called Sinjutsu. And uh, their mascot that they have, he's like a zombie. They always do like a different uh, theme for each album uh, for their mascot, Eddie. This album is yeah, it Eddie. Okay. And uh, so how I have said before, there are some albums that come out where I just want to go in fresh and not listen to anything and just take in the thing all at once. Uh, well, a friend of mine uh, and I and his dad... Um, we all got together and listened to the album um, last weekend, and my friend, um, to go along with the theme, he had like egg rolls and like like wontons and stuff, or um, crab rangoon, so we had like kind of oh, like yeah. themed food to go along with it. So it was a cool experience, because there's not really a lot that you can do in a pandemic, so we kind of made our own.
1: Right, yeah, crab rangoon sounds so good right now, I haven't had those in probably a couple years at least. <laughs>
2: Yeah man I can taste it right now. Mm. <laughs> Me too. Um
1: so uh, did you like the album? Was it is it a good
2: Yeah, I liked album. it. I think though um I don't know how familiar you are with Iron Maiden. I know the hits that's about it. Uh well over the last like basically yeah, like 20 years all their uh, albums they kind of, like, I'm not trying to bash them, but they almost all kind of run together because they're almost, like, like, they're full of epic um, songs, like, long, epic songs. And so Mm -hmm. it's kind of something where if you pluck uh, those out individually, they might not stand out, but listening to it as a whole, it really, uh, the new album almost sounded like the soundtrack to, like, a war movie or something. Like, they all kind of have the same kind of flow to it. So it's kind of like something you just got to take in. So it's probably is really good that we listen to the whole thing all the way through at once. Nice. Yeah. My only
1: knowledge of iron maiden is you got me to listen to the first album, um, off of recommendations. Uh, and I remember really digging prowler and remember tomorrow off of that. And then I think after that, I listened to number of the beast all the way through. I think those are the only two I've listened to all the way through. Um, Yeah, because that's the one that has Run to the Hills." so yeah, probably was that one.
2: Yeah, and isn't there, like, Miles Kennedy, on, like, a recent tour, he was doing, like, an acoustic Iron Maiden cover, I think. He might have done Run to the Hills" or, like, The Trooper.
1: The Trooper is what he did on my show. Um,
2: Yeah. Which
1: is cool, because that's never been a band I've gotten huge into or listened to much, because, like, those two albums I named off, I didn't listen to them until, like, within this last year. So, like, I knew uh, Remember Tomorrow from Metallica covering it, and then of course, Run to the Hills. I'd heard that a million times. Um, but that was about it. And I guess, I guess I'd guess i heard The Trooper because it was familiar when I heard it. Miles played. I just didn't know what it was at first.
2: I like how that song doesn't really have a chorus. It's just the, ah, uh,
0: or, or
2: whatever. I can't even <laughs> yeah. do it, but that's basically the chorus, I think, is just the – like vocal like
0: that Mm-hmm.
1: god that makes me think of uh love in the elevator that is only chorus um like there's very there's like one verse and then like four minutes of the chorus and then maybe another verse buried in there somewhere but like it's almost all just repeating love in the elevator
2: <laughs> rock and roll all night <laughs> that's basically what that is <laughs> <laughs> true very true I still love it when somebody
1: miss, it was some movie they mispronounced or not mispronounced, uh, but misread the lyrics. And it's like, I want to party, rock all night and in part of every day. It's <laughs> like, Cause you got to have time to sleep. In part. Of um, <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Um, with me, as uh, so we just briefly talked about Off Air. Uh, I've been listening to some of the new Tremonti album. It comes out on the 24th, but they've released three songs so far from it and like it started with if not for you which was good uh then it had the really good epic marching in time which is one of my favorite songs he's ever done because uh, it's just it kind of i mean it's heavier but the epic feel of it kind of feels like something that could have been on fortress but just with oh, his wow. vocals yeah um so i love marching in time i think it's one of his Definitely one of his best songs.
2: Dang, that's some but high then, praise. Because I like I like yeah. Fortress. Sorry to kind of uh, interject that, but oh no, no problem at all. um Yeah, Fortress. It's funny at the
1: time I wasn't as into Fortress as I was into Three, but later years I definitely realized the beauty of Fortress and got bigger into it. Like I always liked it, but it just for whatever reason didn't grab me as much at the time. But um, so yeah, Marching in Time, high high praise. But the weirdest ones, the newest single, is A World Away. Um, it's so down tuned and I'm not a guitarist, so I don't know the notes to say what it is, but the tuning makes me think of like bands like Korn and um, I don't know, other bands that really, really down tune. Mm-hmm. And the song doesn't really sound like them as far as the style, but the tuning definitely does. And that was just something I don't remember hearing Tremonty do much of, like whether being in um Alter bridge or a solo stuff um i remember there was a really low tuned song on uh, the reunion creed album uh called bread of shame i remember that being really down tuned but this feels like it's even lower um but it's interesting it's different it's a good song yeah. um but it's definitely something i did not expect <laughs> from tremani so yeah, I'm I'm super excited for that album. I've listened to those songs, but I've tried not to run them into the ground. So I think Marching on Time I've heard probably 10 times, but the newest single I, listened, I stopped myself after two listens just to take it in with the full album. Hmm. Um, but the other really new album that I've been enjoying is Halsey's new album. Um, it's really different as far as musically because um uh, not print uh trent reznor and uh atticus that he records with a lot does that
2: sound right Yeah, it's like atticus ross
1: yeah um produced this album and then dave girl played drums on at least one song on it um so it definitely has more of a rock vibe as far as an instrumentation uh i think songs are still kind of similar to how she's done they're not not the same but like you know how she's just really raw emotionally with a lot of her lyrics yeah um that's obviously still here um on this album but it is is interesting with her having a full band this time uh recording in the studio at least it sounds like that it kind of captures some of her old stuff with i guess maybe more of the alternative that it's harder to do without a band um but yeah it's it's a fun album um, an interesting album cause, um, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it's a little different and it's kind of weird. Um, I don't know if you know, she had a baby
2: recently. Um, so, um, uh, yeah. Isn't that on the cover or something? Mm-hmm. Well, it wouldn't be her baby, I think. Uh, cause she just had the baby. She right. Yeah. I imagine it. it's someone else's baby, but,
1: um, but yeah, uh, it's a very interesting cover. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, but uh, but I like it. It's a fun album. Um, I still don't think it will ever capture my love like the first album and Manic. But it, it's it's very good oh, and wow. definitely worth listening to.
2: Um, yes, yeah, I haven't I haven't even dove into that either because I've been uh, just deep diving into Shine Down. I was a deep dive into Iron Maiden because I was listening to some albums at work before. The new one. And then I was diving into Anthrax. Uh, right. Trying to get ready for my own podcast that I did recently. And Anthrax was a band that I never, um, I had never dove into before. So I felt like with you and like um, you asking me uh, to do like Queen a couple of years ago, I'm like, I need to get really, really ready and like prepared because I don't want to seem like I'm half assing it. I want to know my shit. Right. Oops, I can edit that out. No, you're good. I need to know my stuff.
1: (laughs) No, leave it. It's fine. Um, Yeah, um, Anthrax, uh, I know so little about. The only songs I knew of theirs, um, like a lot of the ones y'all were mentioning on your podcast were ones I wasn't familiar with. I had, uh, I think it's Return of the Killer Bees, which was a lot of their hits on that. I remember getting that at a Fye or Sam Goody, for, like, dirt cheap. I think it was one of those where they'd gotten such mass surplus, and then, like, you know, sometimes um, there'd be, like, damaged cases or whatever, and then they would sell for, like, really, really cheap. Oh, really? Um, oh. So, like, yeah, so, like, I bought it for, like, three bucks or something. So, like, that's the only anthrax I know is just what was on that CD. Um,
2: yeah, because all I really knew was, like um what was it got the time and like bring the noise and then a couple stuff from like soundtracks that were other covers and things so i had a really no knowledge of their own uh, music
1: right well yeah i only bought that album because it was so dirt cheap and i was like i don't know anything about anthrax other than their metal but um something that cheap i'm gonna buy it hmm. um yeah it's called attack of the killer bees um
2: i was right on that shockingly um um, but, yeah, like I definitely want to listen uh, to that Halsey because I knew about uh, Trent Reznor and I knew that Dave Grohl had something to do with it. Then even like a friend actually just sent me a text about it today and he goes, hey, I listened to a new Halsey song and it sounds like Smashing Pumpkins. And I was like, oh, man, I definitely have to listen to this one now. Then.
1: Oh, I can. I can. Now that that's said, it feels like I did think that on at least one track, but I
2: had forgotten. Um... Oh, Cool. Yeah, that could end up being my album of the year, uh, but I won't know because I haven't even listened to it yet. <laughs> <laughs> it happens, man. Um,
1: um, I'm scrolling through my recent downloads just to see if there was anything else. Did I talk about um, the Beatles last time? Do you remember? Have any clue if I did?
2: Um, with me? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I don't think so. I know you mentioned that they had a. Or the Paul McCartney uh, um, Hulu uh, show, and I kind of wanted to it, watch that, but I've kind of been behind.
1: Did I mention that on air, or did I
2: mention that to you just in conversation? Oh, I can't remember. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> yeah. anyway, I'm going to pull that I up. I think real, it's been like two months or so since we recorded, at least. Very true. Yeah, it has been of all. Um, let's see.
1: Yeah. Uh... Yeah, if you have Hulu, uh, McCartney three two one is definitely worth watching. It's on. It's a Hulu exclusive, it looks like, but it's just him and Rick Rubin going through a lot of Beatles stuff and then some solo Paul McCartney stuff and like doing my favorite thing they can do when you have a you know the um, the masters and then. A soundboard is like you can just isolate and play what you want from the song so there's a really great part and i cannot remember which song it was but there the harmony sounds on point so good but he happens to isolate everything but paul's vocals and paul's vocal sounds great until the very end and it cracks <laughs> and it's the only time i've ever seen paul act a little bit embarrassed um because it was not perfect and and he's like oh he's like uh Rick, that's why we don't do this. That's why we don't isolate things. And he's like, no, he's like, I love it. It's the human nature, the human element. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect. And he's like, and when all three are there, you don't you don't hear it, but just isolating it by itself, you definitely hear it.
2: Hmm. Huh. Hmm. Huh. That is cool. Um, did, yeah, they, well, did they so- isolate any of the backwards uh, tracks or whatever, the little backwards uh, things in the songs?
1: I'm trying to think. I know they... Um, showed how the looping was done to make the weird, um, kind of Middle Eastern Indian kind of sounding instrument stuff other than the sitar. Mm -hmm. Um, that was really interesting because I had no clue how that was done, but it it was this really weird way they looped it around and it was just kind of randomly did stuff and they would just kind of catch it in the moment and then use what worked. Um, so that was kind of the stuff around the time they were doing a lot of backward stuff as well, but Yeah, it's kind of hard to verbally explain, but it definitely shows it visually, and that was really cool. Uh, Also introduced me to a ridiculous song um, that's got a really good groove, but doesn't really go anywhere, Um, and that's called Check My Machine, and that was off of, I think, his first solo album? No, 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 Paul McCartney 2 is what it was off of, but it's so weird, because this is basically um, his voice kind of altered um and just randomly saying check my machine and my machine but it's like the music is cool so it's it's just like yeah i think he was very stoned at the time that he wrote that one <laughs> but yeah that, that one's really cool i've gone down a lot of the beatles um uh, black hole for a while and they're finally releasing soon the let it be um 50th anniversary even though technically it's the 51st anniversary because for some reason, maybe it was just production reasons, they wouldn't release it during COVID, uh, at least originally when it would have been 50 years. But it's finally coming out, so I'm curious what's going to be on it. Because hmm. um, the other ones, like they've gone like insanely deep with them, you know, like with like a hundred versions or like you whatever 100 tracks total and I, I loved it on the white album in particular because they were just so cool to hear the early versions when they're talking on uh kind of through it and uh or just like John bust out laughing in the middle of it and then still include that take on as one of the extras because it kind of just captures the love you know they all had for each other yeah there was controversy and arguments for sure as any band would have but they definitely enjoyed working together Oh, awesome! Yeah, so I guess that's all I need to do of new stuff. Uh, I just oh oh no, I will throw um, one last thing. Uh, Metallica's uh, Black album 30th anniversary just came out yesterday, so they have the newly remastered version of uh, the album. Which, to be quite honest, only listening on earbuds, even though they're good earbuds, I can't tell much difference. But the Metallica Blacklist, um,
2: did you get a chance to listen to any of it yet, Andy? I think I sent you a text where I was going to just dive into the whole thing, and then I um, didn't. I remember yesterday at work, I listened to the Ghost uh, cover of Enter Sandman, because that Mm -hmm. that wasn't um, pre-release. And I think I listened to another one, and then I'm like, well, shoot, I've got all day down here at this ship station where I'm at at work, I actually pulled up uh, the actual Black album with all the deluxe uh, tracks and listened to some of that and just kind of randomly went through it and listened to, I think there's like a live concert from like Russia at like an airfield. I listened to most of that. Then I listened to, uh, there's something that's like Day on the Green and I remember uh, like either from a thrash documentary or something, they were talking about thrash bands. They played somewhere on the bay, and they had something called yeah Day on the Green, or maybe they like redid like a like a punk festival or like thrash festival. I mean, mm-hmm. and so they had like recordings from that. Then I listened to some of those other versions from the studio, and there was like uh, I remember a couple different mixes of Nothing Else Matters. And one, it was like elevator uh, mix where it was basically, <laughs> uh, it's got uh, the strings or the orchestration. Then it had acoustic guitar and it had James vocals. So they basically took out uh, the electric um, instruments and the uh, drums. Then there's another version that was kind of cool where it was, it was just the orchestration and uh, James singing. And I thought that was really cool to hear the orchestra on its own like that because, you know, listening to, uh, what is it, S&M, there's the orchestration, but then there's still the full band plugged in. So this was kind of cool just to hear uh, the strings on its own.
1: Nice. I'll have to check that one out. I haven't heard that one yet. Well, there was one that stood out to me yesterday, which was one that had not been previously released, and that is um, Alicia kara or kara and the warning uh was the band oh, that that's mentioned like the first you. track on there i think yeah and um i'd mentioned them a couple months ago they had a song called choke that was really really good um that i'd heard because i saw a drummer cover it and i'm like who is this band i have to check them out and they're really good what i've heard of them so far and i loved their version of inner sandman because they're just so talented and do kind of their own thing with it like they keep some of the important elements but they don't just cover it note for note which has been my preference on this whole metallica blacklist like bands like weezer that just did it straightforward it was boring to me i'm like i don't want to hear uh his voice doing or sandman and then like the song sounds exactly the same like where's the creativity where's i don't know that's what makes (laughs) you know this whole project what seems to make it interesting to me is the ones that kind of do very creative things. Like there's a singer I'd never heard of before, but Sam Fender, he did like a very soulful version of sad, but true, which I really liked. And then there's Jason Isbell who did a really cool version. Yeah, of sad that but that cool. one is cool. That's probably my, one of my two favorite off of it, that, and then, uh, an artist, I know I've talked about him a ton, but I really loved Chris Stapleton. Uh, he did, uh, was it nothing else matters. And uh his version is definitely my favorite because he made it um haunting, like really haunting because he used his normal kind of guitar tone that he loves to use and he added like a lot of extra solos and stuff and like he just really made it his own song and I loved it. yeah he did till...
2: like he made it a seven minute song and that's how yeah he made it his own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was so
1: cool and brave that he didn't just um do it different and then keep it similar length like yeah he went he went all out um also really liked um it's not as creative but i still liked darius rucker's version of nothing else matters way more than i thought it would
0: Uh,
1: uh, towards the end i didn't care as much what some of the backing stuff was doing but like his voice does work really well with that song Um, And for anybody that doesn't know Darius Ricker by his name, he's Hootie from Hootie and the Blowfish, the lead singer. Um, But he's still got a huge country career currently. Um, And then the last one I want to throw some love to um, is one that I was really looking forward to, and that is Rodrigo E. Gabriela. um, And that is they cover The Struggle Within, and they did their typical, very intricate acoustic guitar and I don't remember what other instrument they play in there but like it's just an instrumental version of it but it's so creative and different so I like that a lot Hmm. I I remember I I don't know much of their music or I don't know any of it by name but I remember seeing them on I think it was Conan like probably 10 or more years ago and thought they were so cool Um, but it's just a band that I forget to look into but when I saw their name and listed originally on the first teaser I was like it's gonna be good And it was. So yeah, if if you want to, I mean, I'm too cheap to buy the official thing. And because there's so many that don't really blow me away on there. um, I'm not going to buy it because it's 53 tracks, which means it's probably like 60 or more dollars, I would imagine. Um, But Spotify has them all. And I'm sure Apple Music does and probably other things. Um, I might I might go and buy like single tracks that I like, but I just I'm not going to throw that kind of money at that
2: yeah at least the money though uh from that it says it goes to charity oh okay well maybe i will uh i'll think about it because
1: yeah that that would be at least good because i'm sorry i love metallic and i've bought all their albums but they don't really need our money um (laughs) so yeah but if it goes to charity that's different
2: i did buy one it was like back in july on um, record store day Uh, there was a seven inch uh, single of St. Vincent's um, sad, but true. And then on the back was like a nine inch nails cover. Oh, cool. Uh, so, yeah, I thought hers was kind of cool. Like I never really listened to much St. Vincent, but I've heard her through the radio station that I worked for. And I like her uh, sad, but true cover. Yeah, it was cool. It, it really it's funny
1: that it was hooked together with a nine inch nails song because her version really did sound like a nine inch nails just with the female vocals. Um, yeah her version of it um actually that makes me think oh no there was one other that really i liked um that was around uh let me find it real quick oh one of the weirdest is wherever i may roam by j balvin it's he's like i don't know where he's from but he's a rapper but it's Hmm. i don't think it's english um might be spanish or french but it's very interesting that being mixed in with it but to me it worked pretty well so i liked that but Where is it? The St. Penza. There was one near that that I did want to say something about if I can find it. Oh, yeah. uh, Holier Than Thou, Biffy Clyro did a really cool version of that.
2: Yeah, I think they're like huge over in the UK, but there's not really much like with them over here, I guess. They haven't really broke through too much
1: yeah i'd heard the name before but i definitely didn't know any of his music but um i did like that cover that's that was one of the ones released a long time back so i'd forgotten about it um but yeah it's a really cool project i'm so glad it exists because as andy and i talked about a year ago i think now maybe a little over a year ago when we started my metallica miniseries as we talked about the black album and how important it was um and how pivotal it was just in our lives like getting into that so definitely for a 30th anniversary it only makes sense they go all out and do something different than just a remaster like it needed you know more celebration so i'm glad they're doing that
2: yeah because at the same time i want to say wow that's excessive like 53 tracks but at least like we're saying now there is some cool stuff in there so yeah it is like i guess what other artists can like have some kind of like project like that not many i can think of right well and to get that many diverse musicians to want to do a cover
1: to be on there because like i just imagine like some bands there being a lot of these people would have been like i don't like them i don't want to do their cover or i don't like their music it doesn't fit me or something but like the black album like anybody can like the black album like um it's so unique but at the same point with them not going for 9 minutes on all the songs it is just more accessible. Yeah. Um so anyway, I guess that's probably more than enough of current spins, but that was just some stuff I hadn't talked about since last time. Um and I did. Well, didn't, there's a lot I, going on. So, yeah,
2: there's a there lot. There really is.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there really is a lot. Um, so Anyway, so as we mentioned previously, uh, at the beginning of the episode, it's about Shinedown. That's the main event. Um, so I know we had talked about uh, kind of mentioning our introduction to the
2: band. Uh, you being the guest, uh, would you like to go first? Um, I, Yeah, sure. I guess my introduction, I don't want to sound like a Shinedown hipster because I'm not really. But I remember um, I heard... Uh Fly from the Inside and like No More Love, like before they were like on radio here. Um, because I remember getting a a two song um C D sampler uh from co op um this record store in East Peoria that I would frequent a lot. And I remember like hearing um that and I was kinda excited. I was like, I don't know um who this band is. And then a few weeks later, like fly from the inside was on like radio. So I felt kind of cool. I'm like, wow, I actually kind of heard a band before they were on FM radio. I mean, sure. Like they're probably on the radio in Florida where they're based, but it was just kind of cool to hear that. Yeah, that is cool. Except it's kind of funny though. I have that um, CD, like the little uh, two song uh, CD, but it's funny on the back. I think Uh, the track listing was flipped like they printed it wrong or something. So when you actually pull the CD out of the little cardboard sleeve, it's like it's got it in the right order. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just a weird little uh, factoid about that, like a print. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, like um, I've seen them live quite a few times too. There's one band that I missed a few times where they came around here. And then I finally saw them like 2012. Oh, wow. Okay. I just assumed you would have seen them earlier. Nope. 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 I was late to the party with that.
1: I I shockingly haven't seen them. I don't know what happened with that. Uh, well, I, I do. Um, one of my concert-going uh, pals, uh, Russell, he loved the early stuff, but by the time I probably had enough money to go see them, he was not into them anymore, so that's probably a lot of it. And I don't think Greg really ever got into them, so that that would be the part of the reason why the people that I go to shows with weren't huge into them because I think Russell just loved the first two albums and then kind of lost he might have liked the third one but I de- definitely know he fell off somewhere in there
2: yeah this is kind of weird because it's um I guess being like we're close in age I forget if we're the same age or not we're exactly the same age yeah yeah uh but it's like a lot of these bands that we talk about or like listen to like even the bands we mentioned like iron maiden and like metallica they were around before we were even born and then there's right. been bands that uh, even in the 90s like alice in chains or like foo fighters they kind of existed in our lifetime but we kind of got into them later and then mm-hmm. uh, so shinedown is kind of uh, one that I've kind of been with the whole like time. I might have fallen off and then got back on board and fallen off and back on board, but it it is kind of weird that it's or that they are one band that I've been with the whole like time. And there's not many that I can kind of say that about.
1: Right. No, I, I understand. I agree. Uh, because uh, I was later to the party. I I don't remember if I heard fly from the MC inside first or if I heard 45 I know 45 when it came out was when I got obsessed with them uh, because I thought that was such a catchy song Um, and even though it's extremely dark like it's just one that I love to sing along with Um, so I remember getting it but for some reason I feel like um, the version I have has simple man on it and I don't think that was on there until the second release of the disc which would have been like the year later in 2004 but nonetheless I 45 is the first memory I have with it now like I said I remember playing that one a lot and then I definitely remember playing their version of Simple Man a lot Um, I probably played Burning Bright a lot because I liked that one Um, and I know now like one of my favorites to sing along with is all I ever wanted Um, but uh, yeah it's definitely one that maybe I was a, a year late but I definitely got hooked pretty easily and, and was very eager for the second album when it came out.
2: Yeah. There's a couple that. You mentioned burning bright. That's one that I really liked. Mm-hmm. And then, um, in memory was one that stands out to me and like stranger mm-hmm. inside.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'd forgotten about stranger inside or maybe I didn't forget about it, but
2: I forgotten how good it was. Yeah. That's one where I guess, like I said, like I fell like, on and off the wagon over the years, and I even kind of as, like, um I guess 2003 when that came out got further and further in my rear view, I kind of was like, eh, I don't know if I like that album so much or whatever, or I, it could just be Burnout because I sat with it so long, and I played that album out uh the summer of 03 when it came out, but... Mm-hmm. So that's one that I've never really revisited a lot as the other ones. And it actually stands out a little bit more now um, after revisiting it. I'm like, wow, that was kind of better than I remembered it being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one I didn't revisit for a lot of years because I, I too played it like a
1: ridiculous amount when it came out. And because some of the songs are really depressing, it was an album I didn't let myself go back to. Um, but I remember one of my early episodes when I had uh, Jennifer Smith on, she named this as one of her favorite albums. And so I went back and listened to it because I could only remember the hits at that point,
2: um, at least off the top of my head. Um, and then I'm like, oh, this really is good. Uh, there was something I remember you mentioned, like 45. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that like was, it was 04 when that one was really huge as a single because I think they might have been like, fly from the inside and then like uh was burning bright a single and then i think they hit 45
1: no according to Uh,
2: wikipedia it's fly from the Inside's march of
1: 03 45 is july of 03 and then there's a huge gap and then there's simple man in june of 04 and then burning bright july of 04 so it's kind of like if wikipedia i don't know if it's correct but if wikipedia is right there's like a a year gap in there for some reason behind 45 so i'm imagining that 45 probably was huge throughout the end of 03 and a big part of 04 and i mean i know it was huge because i remember hearing it everywhere um yeah and i kind of feel it inspired a couple other songs of that nature um not to go too far off on that but oh no um uh there's do you remember the band Revis?
2: yeah uh caught in the Rain, uh, cause I think... Uh, One guy yeah, from cool. the band, the guitar player, is actually from um, East Peoria. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, they had a, a song called Revolver um, that kind of,
1: to me, feels like it could have been inspired by this. But if I'm looking at it, they came out almost the same time. So maybe that's just a happy accident. Hmm. Yeah, because it was released in 03. I just assumed, because, yeah, there's a song. No, it's not called Revolver. It's called Spin. But the lyrics were like, you're the one that spins my revolver around when you push me away, hmm. um, and I just always thought, I'm like, man, everybody's obsessed with suicide
2: by gun in their in their lyrics, um, <laughs> uh, or at least thoughts of suicide by gun. Um, yeah, because that's the thing with like '45 that, because I remember um it being 04, I thought because um I have a memory of that like song, because uh, um summer of 04, my sister, she was. Um, in high school and had tennis practice and stuff or I think tennis lessons or something but it used to be Tuesdays and Thursdays I would take her uh, to tennis and it might have been I'll say like 11 a.m. or something and so at 10 o'clock MTV2 had like a rock uh, countdown on or whatever like a countdown so we would watch maybe about the first half hour, then leave, and I would take her to, like, tennis. And so 45, like, was in rotation on there, but because of the lyrics, they edited it or something in some way. So he's singing, like, uh, looking down the – of a five. Like, they put out barrel and 40 or something. So I just remember (laughs) at that one part where he goes, 45. They just have five. So me and my sister would just – In the car, just go (laughs) bye. I love that your version of him sounds
1: like kind of like Kermit or one of the other
2: Muppets singing it. Oh, I like that though. I kind
1: (laughs) of want to hear Kermit do this. Oh my god, (laughs) (laughs) Um, that makes me think of uh, Nelly ride with ride with me or wit me. I think is actually how it's spelled. (laughs) Remember that song? Um, I think so. Um but there's like a part where he says smoke an ounce um, and they would edit out ounce and something else in there. And it was just like, of course at that age, I didn't know um, that was a drug term. I wasn't paying attention. Obviously I knew he was talking about smoking weed, but I didn't realize that's why they were smoke, uh, edited out ounce, Oh, that's <laughs> really, but they would like to have a smoking sound in there. if they still allowed. So it's like, what are you really accomplishing here? Uh, it's like, it's still obviously a drug song. Um, that's not hidden. That's actually emphasized by having the sound effects. That's just like, I think there was like a sex sound effects in one of Nelly's other songs, but yet they edited out some of the words. It was just like, what? Um, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> I've always, I always find editing things like that very humorous, but yeah, I never heard the edited 45. I, I need to look that up. Uh, that's hilarious.
2: Um, one else. other thing that was cool um, with going back and like revisiting this album uh, was because I had it on CD from when it came out. And I think I've got one from the radio station that has that printed on it. It's like, uh, like what does it say? Uh, for promotional use only, sale or other transfer is prohibited. Must be returned on demand of recording company. Oh, shoot. Uh, but, mm-hmm. uh, so anyways, I got a promo copy. Um, From the radio station And uh So I know later on like As the band really took off They put out like a deluxe edition With all the bonus tracks So that's something uh, I had never listened to any of the extra uh, stuff Until I was diving in And getting ready for this episode And I think I told you It was either this album or the next one Had some cool like demos And
0: uh
2: mm-hmm. I was kind of interested Um In hearing that, because I had noticed before, uh, because I always look at like the liner notes and stuff, they had Brent Smith was writing uh, songs with the producer, and then some guy like Dave Bassett and stuff, so I was like, is this like a band album? What was kind of the case with this album? And it turns out that, I guess, Brent had another band and was signed uh, by Atlantic Records, but then... They were dropped, and it sounds like Atlantic, like, kept him because they saw potential in in him as an artist. So then that's how uh, he got hooked up with the guys and Shinedown was born. But some of those demos uh, were things he was working on in the meantime between his previous band and, like, Shinedown. So it's kind of cool to hear how the band kind of got its, like, sound, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I did not know that. Um I mean, he's got a hell of a voice. Like he
1: is one of the top rock vocalists, I would say at least of the modern era. Um like I'd put him up there not quite with Miles Kennedy, but I put him up there not too far behind um, cuz he's got more of a He I mean, he can definitely do the rock part, but he can also do a really good pop voice. Um but he he is so good, so I can see why he would have a record deal before even before them.
2: Yeah, because that's one thing too is like, as I've said, and we'll probably get into it later. I've kind of fallen off and then gotten back on board and stuff over the years. But like the one constant is like, I've never not liked that guy's voice, and I've always felt that like he probably is like you said, maybe like the best, other than Miles, like the best rock voice of the last like twenty years yeah i mean it's so the range is
1: so impressive it's not something i hear in very many artists um to not pull off cleanly or with gruffness that's dependent on what he's trying to emote in that song but like so many are limited like i'm not trying to be mean about artists but you know you, you listen to like the three days grace or you listen to something like that like they've got a good rock voice but he's not going to be singing super high songs um and you know so there's yeah. plenty of our or th- or Seether you know Sean from Seether he's got a good voice but like he's not going to be hitting you know not, <laughs> some of the highest notes and everything and it's still just a different type of voice like there's a lot of bands out there that are good but they're kind of limited in their range but Brent's not one of those at all yeah. which is why his side project works so well uh that I know I've mentioned before on the thing was uh Smith and Myers like he and cover all pop song and it sounds amazing because he's got that voice that can do either one.
2: Uh, yeah, I actually went and saw those guys uh, once, like 2018. Uh, oh, yeah, that... in like Joliet, Illinois, like a little club, and it was like packed, and it was like super hot in there because so many bodies in this club. I don't know if it was oversold or not, but it was still cool to see them doing that because they would uh, do. It was just the two of them, I think. Mm-hmm. and that was it i doing like acoustic stuff and and yeah his voice really like shone through i just hearing it that way oh for sure you mentioned the overpacked that makes me think of my first
1: altar bridge show in uh in 11 for uh the ab3 tour uh in nashville I, I don't see how we couldn't have been breaking some fire rules because like i don't think there was any room anywhere like we were just packed so tight in there and i remember um drinking like three bottles of water throughout the show and it like two huge glasses afterwards and i didn't pee for like six hours so like (laughs) which means i sweated it all out basically (laughs) And I was just like wow um it was an incredible experience but i I definitely wouldn't want to do that now um in (laughs) in my late 30s i don't think my body would like that as much but um in my late twenties it was a little different um well do you have any final notes for the first album um leave a whisper
2: um just that um I'm glad I revisited now because other uh than uh for this podcast I don't know when I would have went back to it and so I'm glad I heard uh the demos and things so it was cool uh so thank you oh you're welcome man i I'm glad we are
1: doing this because i uh a lot of newer bands I can't really I don't have the passion about so it's kind of hard for me to build up the energy to do <laughs> uh, episodes on certain bands that like i like but i don't love um so the second album us and them i remember liking it because it was so creative and different than the first album um like one little thing i noted and i don't know if this will mean anything to anybody other than myself but like the drums are very inventive and playful on the second album. Like he's doing like a lot of extra stuff, like extra little drum fills or just like extra snare drum bounces. So it's like, instead of just like a straightforward beat, he adds in a, a lot of extra bounces. And so it's like, I don't know if I can verbally do it, but and stuff like that, like just extra <laughs> kind of stuff. And it's just, it's something I love because it's something I do. Um, Like I got it from listening to a lot of funk and Nirvana and just like that. Like it's just, it could almost sound sloppy if not done well, but I don't know. It's something uh, here on this and it's mainly just between the cymbals, bass, drum and the snare, which is my favorite to play anyway. Like I don't do a lot of Tom work. Um, I envy those that can work that in there, but that's not really my style. But I hear him doing more on this album, and I I, I guess it's the same drummer between those two albums, but maybe he's just feeling more comfortable.
2: Uh, Yeah, it's uh, been that Barry Kirch, like the whole uh, run of the band. Oh, okay. See, I've never kept up with the
1: members outside of um, Brent, and then I know uh, that, what's his name, uh, that Myers joined later on, and has been with them for a while now, but I never really kept up with their drummer. So... um, but yeah, this this album it seems like he gets to do a little bit more, and shine a little bit more. At least in my in my mind, and just the songs in general, they're much more creative. When you get to songs like uh, "Trade Yourself In" and "Lady So Divine" and stuff like that, like they're not at all like the first album, in my opinion. At least songs like that.
2: Uh, yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head, or like where I was going to go with this. Talking about this album, like how you were saying the drummer, maybe he seems more involved. And um, I really noticed going back to this, that it does seem like more of a band album than maybe the first one. Mm -hmm. I guess because, yeah, it was the uh, same four on the first one are on this second album. And so maybe, yeah, they've had a couple years now of like uh, touring that album and just getting their chemistry together as a band that, yeah, you can really tell that here's four guys coming together and like really like making an album.
1: Yeah. I see that even Barry Kirsch, the drummer, got a writing credit on, uh, which one is it? Your Majesty. So that makes sense. That would be one that stood out to me drum wise. That's pretty cool.
2: Huh? Uh, yeah, I've, uh, even went out the other day, um, it might have been last week after um, we were talking about this and like diving into the albums. I think I saw back in like January they were like reissuing all their albums on vinyl and I actually went out and bought um, this one. Even though I have it on CD, I bought Us and Them on vinyl last week. Nice. I guess I didn't need it, but I was just connecting with it so much that I'm like, I want to like, like I want another copy of this. I guess. Right. What 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 kind of special stuff does that have on it? Um, It had uh, they put uh, like I think there's three acoustic uh, versions of songs on there at the end, and they were the bonus tracks that were online. Okay. Uh, I think. Um, I actually put it away in a crate, but it was, I think, uh, it might be Fake and Heroes and something else. They're all acoustic. Okay. I guess going in and listening to this album, why I bought it, is I would actually say that this is my favorite album of the band.
1: Mine too. Um. Yeah, it's, this is one that I remember spending a lot of time with and every time I go back to it, I still just am blown away with how good it is and how different it is Um, because so few bands can grow that much in that short amount of time. Like the sophomore slump is real so often and um, a lot of bands just have to rush something out because they need the second album out after they've toured extensively and it doesn't sound like this is rushed at all. This sounds like, like it's not overproduced at all but it's definitely the right amount of produced and figured out. Um,
2: oh yeah, I totally yeah. agree. And I think even too, like um, some of the demos for this one that are um, bonus tracks on the deluxe, like they're just as like strong as like the album, like material. So it sounds like they had a lot to choose from. Yeah. They're, um, uh, which, well this one actually didn't make the album but there
1: there was a demo called Persistence that I wish had made the album because I really love that demo
2: Um, Uh, yeah there's another one that I wrote down called Break Mm -hmm. yeah I hadn't heard that one that wasn't that's not on Spotify
1: but I see it listed on um, on uh, Wikipedia so I'm gonna have to look that one up I thought you had messed up and were meaning fake um, which was on my version
2: uh a demo of it
1: but i'll have to look up break because i haven't heard that
2: yeah because break it wasn't even part of the um deluxe uh thing either i saw it on wikipedia and it said it was like a da- like an extra download so if you bought it i think from i don't remember if it was like walmart or some retailer like that you had a code for this um extra song and then how i found it was apple music has like a single uh, like maybe, or like an EP with like three songs or something and break is on that. So luckily I was able to listen to it uh, that way.
1: I'm definitely going to look that up. Cause that, that's definitely, like I said, I just assumed you met <laughs> fake since it rhymes and similar uh-huh. name, but um, yeah, they actually have on the version I had has uh, carried away, which is also not on the original album. But that was a very strong demo. It's kind of weird that that didn't make it. They did a demo of Atmosphere and Fake, and both of those obviously made the original album. And Atmosphere is the only one I can say changed a ton between those two. Um,
2: yeah. But uh, Do you ever I, have a song where um, you kind of almost find it at the right uh, time in your life? Or something so maybe it resonates more
1: yeah oh for sure um definitely some songs are like that they're only really, me like sometimes like i'll be having a crappy morning and i'll be in the shower and i'll just a song will come to me and i'm like oh, i should look that up and then like i um put it on and i'm like wow this is like the perfect medicine for today like this is a really crappy morning and now this song is resonating with me and helping me emote and helping me kind of get through it um that happened to me a lot this past year. Um what what song in particular are you referring to or is there is there one in particular?
2: Yeah, because it's that uh carried away song. I guess mm-hmm. I've been going through some stuff the last month. And uh so I feel like uh carried away really hit me like this week and I'm like Man, it was almost like some kind of perfect moment here in this song. And like I'm not really going to divulge why, but I feel like some of the lyrics really uh, kind of like, I do get carried away or I overthink things. And there's some part that might be like the pre-chorus. It says, there's no reason to be afraid. You can't blame yourself uh, for the world's mistakes. And now it's mm. time to let g- Um, To let it go. And then it's like, look out, look in and realize you always get so carried away. There's times and things you can never change. Don't get so carried away. And I'm like, wow, I need those lyrics like basically etched in my brain as like a reminder to not get carried away with things. Because, yeah, there are stuff uh, that I can't change. Or what's that? Like, um, God grant me the serenity to accept uh, the things i um do uh, not know or can't
1: control or what. yeah
2: yeah or something mm. there's something like that too and it's almost like the same thing in that song and i'm like um i'm like wow wow that is pretty powerful for sure um
1: it that it sums me up very well because so many things i worry about um, it's so unnecessary. It's stuff I can't control. And so it's no point of um, obsessing over it. Um, there's a. That makes me think of thematically one of my favorite lyrics from um, Tom Petty. Let me find that real quick. You can keep on talking. I'm, I'm oh, going to sure. dig for a second there.
2: Um, um, yeah, I remember when this uh, album came out, though. It's weird. It was like I was kind of so into that first one. And I think then they got maybe. Uh, so exposed or overexposed I felt like because I had a lot of time to sit with uh, the first one so when the second album came out I almost kind of dismissed it a little bit because like working for the radio station that I did at the time I was hearing all these songs at work so I didn't really want to listen to us and them in my own time and so it's kind of like I'm almost in the same way like rediscovering some of these like songs so I'm glad there's like the whole wealth of like the deluxe edition and all these extra songs to dive into now right
1: why am I having a hard time remembering which song this is from
2: is it a recent Tom Petty song or no it's um, back from
1: wildflowers Um, what confuses me is I know um, that when I was listening to the One from last year when they released it, he actually used the lyrics in a different song than they ended up in on the original release.
2: Oh, Um, wow. I never really totally dove into that, the wildflowers and all the rest. But I remember back when he was alive and he was uh, um, on his last tour, I think before he went on a tour, he was kind of getting stuff ready to release um, that.
1: yeah that's an album that i didn't get to until way later tom petty i didn't get around to falling in love with until like 2013. um i remember uh hearing the greatest hits in the car ride with greg and i fell in love with it so much hmm. that like the next week or two um it wasn't available at our best buy for some reason in montgomery so i had greg pick it up in dothan um it was the first well no, it wasn't all five of the first albums but it was like five of his albums together for like 20 bucks on cd so um it had uh full moon fever um i think it had wildflowers into the great wide open uh and then like the first two albums i think is but that it was
2: is that one of those things that's like a little cardboard box with like the cardboard sleeves inside of it or something for each album Well, it has the, uh, the one I got had like the actual jewel cases, but there's just like a
1: cheap little cardboard sleeve that goes over all five of them to put them together. But they did that for a lot of bands for a while there. I remember seeing like maybe Skinner, but definitely, um... oh crap, I can't remember who else, but just a lot of bands. They would do that with like Rush, I think, and a few others.
2: Yeah, Um, I bought one for um, Journey and then um, ZZ Top. Okay. And it was basically the five like CDs for twenty bucks, yeah. And they were all in those sleeves.
1: Let me see if it's in this song, and I'll move
2: on. Um. I remember with that album though, uh, Wildflowers. Like, obviously, like I think um, it's like "You Wreck Me" was like the single, and it's on the radio all the time. But I never really like listened to that album until a few years ago where hailstorm was on tour and they did something where they did like basically two sets in one night. So they kind of opened up for themselves acoustically. Then they had like an electric set and during their acoustic set, I think they did honeybee. Oh, nice.
1: Um, yeah, I can't find which song it's from, but whatever the, the lyric is, uh, most of the things I worry about never happen anyway. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. And, that's just something I have to remind myself because I'll overthink absolutely everything and um and there's so few that I have control over or uh, as the lyrics say I mean like so many of the things don't come to pass or even come close to coming to pass it's just something that I overthink the scenario um and yeah drive myself crazy with and it's just nice to remind myself it's kind of a that kind of became a mantra for a little while there it's kind of sad that i can't remember exactly which song it's from but i know it's from that album um, but um it's very very powerful for me so i can kind of a similar sentiment um to what you were saying um i i noticed with this album there's a lot more positivity on it Whereas the first album is more depressing and obviously 45 is a very dark song, but like this album kind of puts them in the same vein um, as I put "Alter bridge as far as like having hard rock, but have positive anthems in there. Um,
2: Would you agree with that? Uh, Yeah. Like um, I agree too. Um, And I can't think of anything uh, that's really – pot. like, I guess Carried Away would be, like, a positive one. But there's still some mm-hmm. stuff that are kind of, like, almost like downers, like, uh, shed some light. Yeah. I don't know. I feel
1: like uh, Save Me is dark, but it kind of has a little hope in it. And I Dare You uh, definitely has hope in there. Yeah. Um, maybe Beyond the Sun feels like that one might be a little positive. Um, I don't know. just
2: felt like there's a little bit starting to come out in this album that um, wasn't in the first one. Maybe someday I know where you're going, and I guess I didn't wanna to say too much about the positivity on this album, but I guess they kind of take it and run with it on the next album.
1: Yes, like I see like the seed of influence like it's there, but it's not nearly as strong as it is in the near future. Um, But is there any less thoughts on us and them other than it just being a really, really good album um, that to me ages like fine wine, like it ages so well, like it's not like some things that are so of their time and that one. Yeah. It's got some moments of the style of that time, but it also just kind of feels timeless for a modern album.
2: I actually agree. And there's something that I think I might've sent you a text. And I didn't really elaborate. I was like, did you kind of get like a Southern rock vibe on some of that?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember you saying that. And I noticed it a couple times. But what was – I put the atmosphere kind of gave me that feel a little bit. Was there any other track in particular that gave you that
2: feel? Yeah, like maybe that one. There's just something with some of their – maybe the guitar tones or something. And why I was making the connection was actually around the time we were talking about – Shinedown like months ago like right at the same time you were talking about Fuel and mm-hmm. we were talking about the first couple albums and then I pulled out a set list that I had from 2014 when I saw them and like the wheel started turning in my head and I'm like oh yeah when they uh, toured in 2014 they were uh, touring with uh, this Puppet Strings album and I remember uh, at the time for that show, I was a band runner. And so I had to go get the groceries or do different like duties that day. And one duty was, I can't remember why the guy was in my car, but Brad Stewart was in my car. And then like right before that, I was, I think when I went to go get their groceries, usually I had done it on my own. Um But their girl, who was like their merch person that day, she actually came like with me. So I was just basically driving her to go get their stuff from their list. And so I said, yeah, like I noticed Brad Stewart is in uh, Fuel now and he was in Shinedown. And she goes, oh, uh, uh, don't say anything uh, to him about Shinedown. Just don't say anything. Uh, So I remember not saying anything. But here's where I was going with this, I guess, is I listened to Puppet Strings. And there's a few songs on there that had like a Southern rock vibe with some of the leads. So oh, for sure. So I noticed that he's got some writing credits on it. So when I went back and now we're listening to shine down, like there's some, he's not credited on every song, but there's some where he did some writing credits and I'm like, that might be his influence coming out in fuel and in shine down. And those guys are kind of in Jacksonville, Florida and stuff. And I'm like, huh, like like maybe that is like Brad's influence on uh, some of the Shinedown elements that aren't on the later album. So it's kind of cool to maybe kind of piece some of that together in my head. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I definitely remember being blown away.
1: I'd never listened to Puppet Strings until you sent me that set list. And I was like, what the hell are these songs? Like there were several songs. I didn't know what they were. Um, and then so I assumed it was from like the uh, Fuel Days when um, – brent was no longer in the band and then or no brett
2: yes yeah, yeah, brett
1: scallions isn't yeah, it yeah. yeah um and then when i looked it up i'm like oh no that's when he got back with the band which i don't even know if i guess i knew it happened but i just had, didn't know the details of so yeah i listened to that album was shocked that i had a kind of a southern rock feel because that was definitely not at all part of the first three albums um so yeah it might be brad adding it to the band who knows but it's cool for sure
2: yeah like i don't know if i'm putting two doom two together or i'm just kind of like seeing something that isn't there but i'm like oh wow um it kind of it kind of has maybe some kind of vibe going across these albums and i kind of dig it because it kind of sets it apart oh yeah for sure
1: well i'm gonna i think let's take a real quick break and we'll come right back and talk about more shinedown don't go anywhere Guys, thanks for coming back to the second half of the episode. We're going to talk about some more shine down. I'm going to finish the point I don't know if I actually made on properly on the first half was just that and we'll go into it a little bit more is just I love the positivity in some of the songs because some bands just don't manage to do that. And I don't know, sometimes I think bands are just maybe they're just that dark and they don't feel hope or if other times they do it just because that sells because a lot of negative songs seem to do so well, but I, I love it when bands are brave enough to kind of put a positive thing out there because that could take them, could take some rock credit away from them, I think. Because I, I think some bands like Seether and others, like that's their brand, at least for the first like three albums, is just like ultimate depression. And like, there's like, there's not hope there at all. It's just um, negative energy. And maybe they're just getting it out there, but it almost feels like that's their, um, their thing. And so I always admire in bands that can break from that. And and some people might interpret it as cheese, but I don't see it that way at all if it's done properly, um, you know, hint, hinting at hope or even just straight out talking about hope. So um, so it's only appropriate that that leads into their third album, The Sound of Madness, which incorporates that into several of their songs. Um, but The Sound of Madness came out in 08. So was it just three years behind us and them and it I'll just say it from the very get go. It is my favorite or maybe my second favorite of their albums. It's definitely the one I'll say this, I'm very definitive on this. It's the one I've listened to the most. Um, this was my workout album that year. I remember taking that to the gym with me, um, and luckily we I was working out in a gym that was very small and I it was at the place I it was actually at It was a gym at work, so I had access to it, so I didn't have to listen with headphones. I could just put it on the CD player and just blare it. And so the Sound of Madness, uh, the rock songs off it, like the harder rock songs were just played on repeat because they were just so much, um, I don't know, motivation for staying on the treadmill longer, or the elliptical, or um, more reps of a weight. So I don't know, this album, it's a very important album to me because of the time it came out, but also just, I don't know, because it was so, the mixture of motivating, positive songs, but also just really good rockers, because it's only the second time in my life that working out became very important to me, but uh, that, that album was very important to my mental health for that reason
2: yeah i agree going back like trying to put myself in the space of the uh 2000s when these were coming out i feel the same way like how you mentioned like three days grace before they almost had uh those kind of songs where it's like there was some aggression or i guess like how i mentioned on my own podcast talking about anthrax a lot of that stuff was like it's almost like aggressive like rock was the thing with the new metal era Mm-hmm. And, like, you had, like, Stained or something. Some of that stuff is, like, down in the dumps or it's really heavily, like, aggressive, almost, like, beat your chest, rock and roll. So that's right. kind of what made Shinedown, like, stand out is because there is a glimmer of hope. And even some of the Alter Bridge stuff had, like, that's what I liked with Miles Kennedy, and it really took me in that direction was, here's some rock where there is some kind of... Hope or some kind of message in it. It doesn't always have to be like down in the dump kind of stuff. And I think at the time, um, going through the 2000s, yeah, I was really into the first album for Shine Down. Then the second one, I was kind of feeling the fatigue or the burnout from being so into the first album and then hearing the song so much on radio that I wasn't as into. Um, Us and Them and then even when Sound of Madness came out I was like "Eh, I don't really know how I feel about these guys but then like I think it was like how you said this album came out in 08 I was thinking it was 2010 when that came out but it wasn't because that's just the time or the um, year when I really dove into Sound of Madness so it took some kind of time for me to get back and come back around and I'm like wow I should have listened to this album like two years ago when it came out (laughs) <laughs> yeah for me
1: i don't know why i was on the cutting edge of when it came out um other than lyrically some of the stuff really stood out to me or just the good rock songs stood out to me but i remember 08 i was just like really getting out of shape physically um i think that was when my metabolism first started like dying down a little bit and i'd put on some weight and i was really stressed out with a mixture of work and college and so i Needed something to inspire me to sweat and, you know, do some, (laughs) you know, exercise a lot. So I don't know, it became very important for that reason. And there's so many just great rock songs on here. But then of course, there's some great ballads on here as well. um, Such as Second Chance and um, If You Only Knew. And my favorite to sing is The Crow and the Butterfly. Um, Even though half the time I'll forget some of the real lyrics and I'll just kind of mumble certain
2: parts of it but i I love singing that song yeah like this album uh looking at the title or like looking at the track listing it is really divided between like those anthems or the ballads and then like the straight up like rock songs like there's like it's like two halves yeah devour and sound of madness are so
1: straightforward hard rock but then quickly with third track second chance um you you know you see some of that hope and positivity and kind of anthem going with that
2: yeah because there's like what uh breaking inside and like call me and like second chance crow and the butterfly they're kind of one side and then you've got like the devour and sound of madness like sin with a grin like cry for help they're all the amped up like rock songs
1: mm-hmm or even the ridiculous kind of over-the-top titled cyanide sweet tooth suicide Um, yeah i think that's a stupid name but it's a good song it's catchy anyway
2: yeah that's one where i think it might end up being like the weakest song on the album for me
1: yeah it's pretty weak but i don't know it's catchy that's the only reason why i give it a little credit
2: yeah there's one that stood out going back is like cry for help like i think Mm -hmm. that that's like a super amped up rock song that's pretty cool
1: i love i love how he uses like two different voices on this like he's got the very aggressive but then he's got the cleaner voice that works really well too um but like when he's doing the more aggressive it's kind of like lower on this album and i don't remember him doing that as much on the earlier stuff but it's kind of cool do you know what i'm talking about
2: yeah like are you talking about
1: like in the verse of sound of madness like it's um on the verse, he's kind of singing a lower, a lower way. Yeah, I get it. You're an outcast. Always under attack. Like that's just a lower. He's not singing in his normal voice there. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. He's got that bass hit with it and everything. um No one owes you
0: anything. Do. Dude, yeah. Dude.
1: <laughs> I always shotgun like, blast. I loved that line when I was at the time <laughs> when it came out. But that, of course, that was um 13 years ago so t- mid-20s me but yeah that uh, i think you need a shotgun blast to kick in the ass <laughs> i just thought that was so cool at the time <laughs> i don't know how well that ages, but it's at the like it's at the age that at that age it was really cool
2: here's it's still actually, a catchy song here's actually why this album or whatever this period like stands out for me because Uh, They had a live album that came out and it's like a double disc or it's got two CDs and two DVDs. And it's from this tour because they did like an acoustic uh, kind of or stripped down set. And there's Mm -hmm. a CD and a DVD uh, for that. And then there's the full like on like rock show from their carnival of like madness tour. And that's actually what stood out to me was... Uh, the Anything and Everything, the acoustic one, because they did, like, times like these. Like, they did a Foo Fighters one, and then... Oh, really, really? Uh, those songs really, like, stood out so much more in hearing them that in that way with uh, the added instrumentation and stuff. So that's what really helped me, like, dive in uh, to these guys again and really appreciate those songs uh, was that. So I think you would really like the... Um, anything and everything
1: okay I see that it's actually currently on um, the Amazon add-on video uh, for Coilo concerts they've got both Shine down somewhere in the stratosphere anything and everywhere and then I guess the other ones the heavy one the madness live that does sound up my alley because I think sometimes certain songs translate so well to strip down versions
2: um, the devour song is really cool like that barry kirch guy like how you're talking about just his drumming like that really is a good one i think on there nice so where does this one rank for you then this one uh sound of madness it would be my number one or it was my number one for the last like uh 10 years but then now with this deep dive in all these albums it's it's number two now after um um us and and them. them Yeah. yeah, I do
1: think I do think us and them is stronger. But at the time, like I said, I spent much more time with Sound of Madness. Um, it's funny, like each album as it grew, I spent more time with because I spent a little time with the first album, but I, I don't know, I just wasn't on fire for, but maybe half of it. Um, but us and them, I really loved, and this one I really loved. So it's just, I don't know, my love for them just grew, which is shocking. Like I said, other than my friends kind of falling off with them would not be the only reason why i've never seen them live um or maybe they were paired with bands like Avenged sevenfold which i just have never had a desire to see live um i like some of their songs but they're just not a band i want to pay 70 bucks to see
0: yeah
1: um are there any other tracks on it that you want to throw out love to or throw out some
2: attention to i really really like Um, probably my favorite ones from this album are the last ones, Breaking Inside and Mm -hmm. Call Me. Yeah. And then did you ever dive into the, um, uh, the deluxe of that? Because there's Breaking Inside with Lizzie Hale on there. I don't think I've heard that version, no. It's basically the same song. I think she just does, uh, like the second verse and comes in for the chorus. So they kind of like trade off. But then, uh... Yeah, the one that really hooked me on those guys or rehooked me I'll say was that uh, Diamond Eyes, the Boomlay, Boomlay. Mhm. I think that was a good like amped up kind of like what you're saying like good workout song. Right. I own use pretty good as well. Um I like I out of those extra ones too like Junkies for Fame.
1: Yeah. That was on one of the versions I had. It wasn't in Spotify, or at least not the version I was listening to earlier. But I'm looking at it now, and I'm like, I need to check that out, because I knew there... I felt like there were more tracks that I'd heard at one point.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't really have anything else to add on this album, just that it's... It probably might be their strongest album, but it's dropped down to number two overall if I had to choose a favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I was
1: looking at the notes on... Uh, wikipedia nick perry from silvertide was in the band on this album and says this is the only
2: album he was part of yeah that was something i was thinking too while i was listening to these songs it almost seems like they they should the band should have like a second guitarist to fill stuff out and that's the only album that they have that
0: Mm -hmm. on. so
2: maybe that's why it's way like this is way more of like a loud guitar record uh than what would come later
1: yeah because this one's the first one to have zach myers on it as well um who of course has stayed with
2: the band um i wonder what happened with nick perry because silvertide's not still around Um, he's doing i follow him on instagram now and he's doing uh his own thing i think it's like nick perry and the underground, or something like that, the underground thieves, or uh, something. But he's got his own thing that he's doing. But it was just, just kind of weird because I remember, even though I had the CDs before, uh, they're almost the guys in the band are almost kind of hidden or something in some of those pictures on there um, on the CD booklets. But then this one, you open it up and there's like that, I guess, picture. Of all the guys standing there wearing black and I remember uh Nick Perry I'm looking at it right now it's like he's got like just a jacket on and no shirt and a chest tattoo and I was like who's <laughs> who's this guy on there I don't know like it, that's,
1: that's funny. funny yeah I've never seen the pictures of this one because I didn't have this one officially um I um I don't think I ever told you this I saw Silvertide. And the weirdest booking of all time, at least that I've been to that I can think of. Oh, wow. Um, huh. It was Silver Tide was the opener. Um, then Breaking Benjamin was the middle. And then the headliner was Three Doors Down. But it was so funny. Like Silver Tide played a great show, but like, I guess they didn't have the budget to have like a wireless mic. So like one of the stagehands is having to um, feed out more cord because the lead singer jumped into the crowd and was crowd surfing. And so it was so funny (laughs) seeing somebody out on stage just for the whole point of um, so he could keep singing and saying stuff while he was crowd surfing.
2: Dude, that is like so so weird that you mentioned Silvertide because that's one band that I didn't listen to back then. Uh, Because maybe I was into that aggressive, amped up rock and roll. And then mm -hmm. over the last couple of years, I'm like, uh, what happened to Silvertide? Oh, yeah, this. Wow, this is like really good rock. And then there's a band Dirty Honey. Uh, who's out now and I'm like, well, they're what? a lot Silvertide? Like Silvertide. Silvertide was doing that before Dirty Honey. Yeah. Yeah. They, I think they only
1: had the one album, Silvertide, but like I, they were, I only got into them because I saw their name that they were going to be opening at that um, show. So I bought the album. I think that's how it happened. But because um, I used to do that a lot. Sometimes I'd rather just hear the band the first time live but sometimes I want to know some of the songs. And so that one, I think I bought it a couple weeks before it came out and or before I saw them and really got into it. Hmm. But, yeah, that was just funny because um, I've never seen a wired mic and somebody go into the crowd with it. Um, felt very funny for like an 05 show. <laughs> but once again, they were starting out, so they probably did not have much of a, a budget for their tour.
2: <laughs> oh, man, that's funny you mentioned that. Another side note when i saw walking papers uh that singer guy i forget his name jeff he actually mm-hmm. did the same thing he went in the crowd with a with a cord mic. okay he didn't go in the crowd the time
1: i saw him for, open for miles he just um did a lot of the whole swinging the cord around and then catching the mic thing uh, i guess kind of like was it roger daltrey from the who
2: that does yeah. that um yeah oh man sebastian bach i saw him before and he does that but he <laughs> <laughs> Wings it around over his head like a helicopter and i'm like how does he not like take something out with that like whipping the microphone around like that over his head it's like i don't know man i imagine he's hit somebody in the head with the mic at some point in his career
1: like if he was high or something it, i can just see that happening i've always yeah, thought that I... a lot of or like how often members run into each other when they're kind of like just mindlessly running around the stage um you have to imagine they um make contact at some point on accident like yeah, i remember cause... when i saw reliant k i was so sad i didn't see exactly how it happened but like i think one of the guitarist like jumped off the amp and fell down um but all i saw was him like getting back up
2: um <laughs> <laughs> oh man i think that, unless i'm misremembering it but i think sebastian bach when he's doing that with his microphone He's swinging it overhead like a helicopter, but that Jeff, he was swinging it out in front of him like a windmill, which I think Mm -hmm. is kind of, I don't know, it seems more dangerous, but I think he's out at the front of the stage and swinging it out like that. And, you know, there's a guardrail there, so uh, people are back behind that. So it's not like in anybody's face, but still. Right. It seems like if you're doing it that way, it's going to like fly out in front of you if you accidentally, like your hand's sweaty and you lose your grip just gonna go straight out knock somebody in the
1: crowd out um that'd be a memory from a show (laughs) like have the um texture of the microphone on your forehead
2: oh god yeah like
1: (laughs) okay i'm going off the rails let's go with album four amaryllis um what's your first memory of this album was it one you were on top of rap when it came out or were you late to it
2: Um, as I said, I, um, I was kind of getting back into them late with, so I was late to the party with, um, a sound of madness, but I was right on board, uh, for, um, um, Amaryllis. And that's actually, uh, when I saw him live, I think I saw him like twice on this, uh, tour cycle because it seemed like, yeah, the band was really like, you know, they were actually headliners here on these kind of tours. So they were doing bigger uh, venues and headlining. Mm -hmm. And I think they came around here like three times on that uh, tour cycle for that album. Because, you know, like they go every three years for an album at least. So yeah, they hit here a lot. Nice. Now, do you ever go as far as Chicago for shows? Oh yeah, too many times. How far is Chicago from you? It's. The uh, two and a half, like, so, okay. um, I'm like pretty much like right in the middle of it's two and a half, uh, North, uh, Chicago and like two and a half to St. Louis. Oh, okay. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um,
1: I'm ignorant of that state. Like I've looked at Illinois before, but I've never, I'm trying to think if I've ever, I don't know if I've ever been in Illinois. I don't think I have, uh, cause most of my North States were like extreme East. Um, except for um, when when we went to Pittsburgh. Um, We went straight up through Tennessee, uh, Kentucky, and then sideways through Ohio. Um,
2: Yeah, it's just a lot of cornfields other than the Chicago area.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was just thinking, so that's that's a little closer than like with me, I have to go to Atlanta for a lot of shows um, that are somewhere in Florida. A lot of bands don't play Alabama, or if they do, it's, like, on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, Yeah, this album, I don't remember when I got it. Like, I remember um, hearing Bully and liking it okay. Like, it's a good song, but, like, lyrically, I like like what they're going for with it, but it wasn't my favorite. Um, But I do remember, I must have been late to it, because I want to say I bought this for, like, five bucks, so I must have probably been, like, 2013 or 2014 buying it so for whatever reason i don't know why because i loved sound of Badness, but i did not buy this right when it came out
2: oh, I see it. i think a bully actually like uh super like stands out i think going back that might be the strongest song on the album interesting yeah because before we've been pretty in line with each other's opinion but now i think we might be divided here <laughs> yeah
0: I mean, like, Uh, so what's
2: your standout then? Let's see. My standout would be.
1: I mean, Adrenaline is just a great uh, rocker. Um, I like uh, Nowhere Kids. It's just a fun to sing along with rocker. Uh, As far as my sing along, I love Amaryllis. And let's see. um, I'll follow you. I like singing along with also really like Enemies as a rocker. So, like, I don't know. I like most of these tracks. And, like, I don't dislike Bully. But, I don't know. Maybe it was just overplayed. And just, I got kind of... Not annoyed with it, but just kind of bored with it.
2: Hmm. Maybe it's for me. Like, this is the uh, point where I would have been the most into the band and saw them live. But now... It, like It's probably the point where I, I dislike them as much as I like them. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Something's shifted because I saw them live so many times. Um, I think I've seen them four times now, and the show is basically the same. And I just kind of like, I don't know. There's something where they almost seem like they're more... Uh, they're more content or more driven to do those kind of like anthems or things that are gonna be the big crowd pleasing live songs like unity and amaryllis and I'll follow you those are the big like live song moments and now I'm like I can't listen to them anymore
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I can imagine that um that's kind of like what third doors down became where they were um, almost like they were all anthems or like all ballads. I mean, um, whether like after their third album, it was all ballads. Like, I don't know. Uh, did you ever listen to three doors down much?
2: Oh yeah. 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 I was into them for a while. Like, you know, obviously the kryptonite back in like high school mm-hmm. and then kind of like, I liked the next album. The Like, was it away from the sun?
1: Yeah. Away from the Sun's really strong. I've like 17 days, their third one, but, after that, I think it was the fourth one. It felt like everyone was every one of the songs was made to be like a ballad radio hit.
2: Yeah, like they've got a formula, like and they stick to it. Mm-hmm. And that's what Shinedown's kind of become. Uh, they kind of have this formula and they stick to it. But I guess hey, they're making money. And now I saw that they're like the biggest. I think they are the biggest charting rock band of the last like twenty years or oh, wow. And So. And they've got so many, like, every song's, like, a number one. I've seen some of those statistic things. So I can't fault them for going in that direction. But as a listener, like, I don't really listen to this album really anymore. Oh, okay. See, I I, like, I guess because I was late to it. And, like, if I'm... I don't...
1: At the time, I disliked Bully. I think now I don't mind it as much, but I also don't revisit it often, that song. But I i don't know. I listened to it almost all the way through this album several times this past week. And I still really liked it, but that might be because um, it's the last we get of that version of them.
2: Um, oh, uh, yeah, I think it is kind of like how like you're saying like. It's a really, really, really strongly put together song. Like there's that kind of like. It's like an anthem. Mm -hmm. And it's got that good chorus and the good hook. And it's still kind of got. It's got like relatable lyrics Mm -hmm. or something. Everybody's been bullied or whatever before. And oh, God, yeah. (laughs) It just is like a good like song. Like, I don't. I guess I don't dislike that one. Oh, Miracle's
1: really good. Uh, now I'm hearing it in my head. Um, I think because of his voice, I really do like a lot of the ballad ones. I might not as much if I had seen them multiple times, but because um, that's like I, at the time I loved Rise Again by um, uh, Alter Bridge, but like now I can't listen to that song. Um, I mean, I can if I hear see them live, but I can't. I will skip it if I'm listening to the CD.
2: Or is it Rise Today? Yeah,
1: Rise Today. Yeah, that's right.
2: Yeah, because yeah, that's usually the big like encore song, I think, or mm-hmm. or, or something.
1: Um, but yeah, I, it's weird. Um, I was looking at on Wikipedia, and it looks like their best selling album was Sound of Madness, and then this one went gold. So. I don't know. I'm still just kind of curious why they took such a weird turn on Threat to Survival, um, because the like up until up in their first four albums they weren't overproduced. They were very you know different degrees of rock and roll, but like they were all still a lot of hard rock. But this Threat to Survival, just I don't get it. Like I liked a few songs more than I thought I would last night when I was listening to it. But it's still like when compared to the first four, it's like, what I don't understand other than trying to get singles of why
2: this one went the way it went. See, I can I can see why uh, that's the case, but I actually like this one um, more than um, Amaryllis. Really? Yeah. yeah, like I go back to this one way, way more often. And I think uh, this is where we're talking about bands being like f- having a formula. Mm-hmm. Like basically this is kind of, um, I can see why it might be amoralist 2 with like uh, diminishing returns because they're basically uh, uh, going further with only intent on doing uh, the anthems or the catchy things or whatever. It sounds like to me, they kind of transformed into like imagine dragons or something just like imagine (laughs) dragons with guitars (laughs) that's that's all shine down sounds to me now it is what uh, attention
1: attention sounds like which i know i'm getting oh yeah
2: oh yeah for sure but like i still like i guess how a bully stands out i feel like cut the cord is an attempt to do uh Bully again. That's why I feel like that might be diminishing returns. It's like, okay, we gotta do that huge lead-off rock song. But it's like you already did it better with bully. Now you got the little chorusy kind of thing, or like you know, they have the sing along bully. Now they're like adding in the cut the chord. Uh and state can- of my head, state of my head is like, I cannot listen to that one. I don't know, but like I do like, how did you love? And I thought that that's one that they kind of have that good message in their lyrics in that song. So that's how I can kind of relate with that one a little bit. That is
1: a good one. That's one. I don't think I'd ever made it to because I honestly think I was so turned off um, after asking for it that. I didn't make it far into the album until last night, but I did like how did you love? I liked uh, oblivion. Yeah. And Dangerous, I liked. So it was almost like once you hit like a third of the way through, it starts getting a little, or almost halfway through, it starts getting a little better.
2: See, like, that's what I thought too. Because at first I was like, eh, cut the cord, stayed in my head. And then I'm like, Bleh. But then, yeah, if you do give it some time, I love Oblivion and Dangerous. Oh, and we were talking
1: offline, but we were talking about uh How Did You Love? his one Scott Stevens wrote with them.
2: I didn't realize that until just right now. Oh, yeah, I already like that song, but it kind of like made me maybe like it a little bit more or like appreciate it. because I'm like, oh, OK, I can kind of see that kind of influence or something. But I just think that that's one where they really have like like strong lyrics in that song. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the other songs on this album, some of them, they're just intent on like trying to just repeat a phrase to maybe have a sing-along thing like an anthem like for the crowd to sing along to whereas like how did you love it feels like it's an actual song instead of just i guess written for the sake of just having it to like a crowd or like the i don't know what i'm trying to say (laughs) (laughs) no i know what you're uh,
1: yeah um uh you always with pop songs you're trying to figure out a way to have the how it get stuck in someone's head like i mean that's important in music to some degree i mean you want people to want to sing along with it and to remember it so oh and and definitely if you're wanting mainstream airplay you gotta have that or it's not going to make it there
2: yeah because that's what i guess i was trying to say with some of those on amaryllis it seems like some of the lyrics almost seem kind of forced because isn't there something like one song it's like raise your hands in the air if you're feeling it or something. And I'm like, well, that has no effect on me if I'm driving around. I'm not going to put my hands <laughs> in the air. But I guess it's good for if you're in front of a live audience and you're doing this anthem and it's like, yeah, put your hands in the air. I think that's that unity or something right. like that. And it seems like that is written uh, for like the sake of just having sports montage uh, songs. <laughs> I can hear it, yeah. I don't know. This This is my moment to vent or something. Shine down. You've forsaken me. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want to move
1: on to the, the one that really went off the course?
2: Uh, I don't know. I didn't us? listen to it as much. Uh, but attention, attention. I don't know. Like I've just n- never really been able to dive into it.
1: I don't mind Devil. Devil's okay. It's at least catchy and not in a just overly pop way.
2: Um, I like Monsters. That's the only one that kind of sounds like the shinedown of old uh, coming mm -hmm. through. I wish they would go back because now they've had like three albums in a row where they're like, as you're saying really overproduced or something or like intent on maybe being in that space. I wish they would do like one now where they pull it back and just kind of just do like a guitar like record again
1: well i almost feel like they might did you hear um the single they put out i think it was last year or the year before it felt like it was going a little bit in that direction let me pull it up real quick um oh the atlas yes uh, falls or something Mm -hmm. that didn't feel like it belonged on attention attention or that style so i'm hoping maybe that will be a kind of a return do you did you like that one
2: yeah, it was alright. I guess I haven't. I didn't really revisit that one like at all um, when going through these things. Because I guess more of my thing was diving into some of those deluxe uh, versions. Because I have the CDs and I never really dove into the extra tracks. I think what maybe is my problem with like Shine Down is I. I'm not saying I'm a full hater, and I realize I can't be a hater. I've got a Shine Down magnet on my fridge. I've got a Shine Down poster on my wall. So I can't say I really, like hate the band or whatever, cause I don't, if I've got stuff on display, but here's my thing. You like, haven't seen them live, but I feel like I never need to see those guys live again because they're kind of nothing wrong with doing the electronic thing, but they seem to be like, they just have so many like backing, uh, uh, things when they're live that i'm like i just prefer when guys plug in and play but now they've got right. how how um live is it if you've got one guitar player and then like eric who's uh the bass player but then he kind of goes and plays like keyboards or the piano and stuff but then you're hearing all those effects and things and it's like they must have a lot of backing stuff or if who's playing the bass when he's on the keyboards or who's playing the keyboards when he's on bass, but you can hear that, but nobody's playing it.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. That would be annoying. I will defend all the way through Amaryllis. And then like, I didn't feel it was ever produced, but it felt like such a, yeah, I can see what you're talking about. A little bit of a progression of Am- Amaryllis 2.0 with, um, with their fifth album. But like, I really just don't understand uh attention attention going so into the and you hit it on the the head with like imagine dragons territory with the because like who who wanted that like who was asking
2: for that i don't think anybody was um um yeah because i can't imagine with like i did listen to that album um all the way through last night and i can't see how yeah it would translate uh, really well, like, live. Because, yeah, it's got a lot of, like, effects and things on those songs. Like, they might not be completely, like, bad to listen to, but I'm like... I would probably be, like, picking it apart or something if I'm watching them live. I'm like, well, who's playing that? Or whatever.
1: <laughs> right, right.
2: Or I think that's what I'm saying, why they maybe need to be a five-piece or something. Yeah.
1: That And they make enough money they could afford to. Like, I mean, hell, look at Foo Fighters. Um, you know, hell they even added in Rammy Jeffy on keyboards and uh as like a just a full member so they're a six piece. Yeah. Um I mean <laughs> uh and I would say that Shine Down's not
2: that far behind them in popularity, at least I wouldn't think so. I guess, yeah, with me, like I like when bands evolve but it just seems not really convincing if you can't really do it live like that like it doesn't seem like as like genuine or something
1: right well that's the reason why I like you know at least how Foo Fighters they're evolving but they play that all that live and that's why they have all six members because that's important to them I think to actually do it all and not just have a pre-recorded thing because yeah I think that's kind of cheesy because like Metallica doesn't do that I mean other than that intro that they play you know the that's from the good, bad, and the ugly. You know everything else is play live. Other well, other than like gunfire, obviously that's not <laughs> being done <laughs> um, legitimately right there. That'd be kind of scary <laughs> if that was done um, in the stadium. Can you imagine how freaked out people would get?
2: Oh shoot, yeah. If,
1: even if um, was like what's that like,
2: like? ACDC shoots off the cannons or something? Are you talking oh, about wow. that Metallica shoots off cannons, actual cannons? For yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For
1: um, for one. Like what's going on? No, no. Somehow <laughs> would get, um, would really have some fear there.
2: Um that, um, that is one cool thing though with Shinedown. How I said, man, I've seen him like four times. Maybe it's because I saw him like four times in like four years or something almost. Because I saw him like twice on each of the Amaryllis and the um, uh, Threat to Survival. Mm. Um, like there was something. Uh, from a few years ago and i saw something that actually would have been really cool to see live and i wish i had um some money or time at the time and i went back this morning and tried to confirm when it actually was uh but um i looked at the setlist website and it was at the tail end of 2018 they did three nights at a house of blues in florida and one night they did all of the Sound of Madness album and then had an encore of, like, assorted songs. The second night, they did a full acoustic, like, set and then had an encore. And then uh, the third night, it said by request. So they were playing a lot of deep cuts that they didn't really do. If they do it again at some point, I would definitely um, do that. But now I'm almost thinking at this point, Uh, they're going to be maybe doing like a 20th anniversary tour. You've got to think at some point in a year and a half, maybe they'll do that and do some uh, deeper cuts that they won't normally do.
1: That would be cool. Yeah.
2: I think that that's what I want is, I guess like, sorry to go way off on the rails, but I think now that they've had this band with like the Zach and Eric and like Barry, they're mostly when they tour live, they're hitting the last three albums. Whereas they don't, hit a whole lot of the early stuff and that's what i want right yeah they
1: probably only play 45 from the first album i'd imagine at this point um mm. but yeah I, I think it was fun to do this out episode because as you could tell i love the first three and no, i love first four albums and likes the first three and the fifth one pretty well um it's just it's a band we appreciate their music we just kind of miss kind of the old stuff um And maybe they'll get back to it. Um, Sometimes bands meander and then get back to it. I know, like um, Incubus, kind of did that. Like they, I thought were very strong until their album uh, from like 2011 was just boring as can be, and it was like they forgot how to write a hook. And then they've done some pretty cool stuff after that. That's not as good as their early stuff, but they did kind of capture a little bit of that energy. So. I definitely know bands can do it, and hopefully Shondown will do it. I mean, obviously, I know they're selling well, so I don't know how much they feel the need for that, but hopefully they do.
2: Um, um, obviously, Weezer would be like another example, like how you said Incubus. like They kind of have like shifts or something. Well, they'll kind of be in this space for a while. Yeah, we, uh, like we want to do rock albums. Then we want to experiment a little bit. Now we're going to go back to the rock album. So they kind of keep you on your toes. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, shine down. Please excite me again. It's all about me. <laughs> but yeah, I think I
1: read something like the Ellis Falls is going to be on the new album. So maybe, like I said, if that's any indication of it, that should be better um, and kind of
2: a little bit more um, traditional. At least it seems like it would be. Um, I have still followed them on Instagram, and I guess. Uh, for at least this album, like that Eric, he like built his own studio. So uh, their work whatever they're working on, they're all in-house and they got their own studio. Nice. I don't know if that'll inspire them or something, because I know like a lot of bands, they just pick a studio or like, hey, we're going to do some of it in California. And we're going to do some of it in New York. And they go back and forth. At least here's all in one uh, spot. Right. It just feels like you'd get a much more cohesive
1: album if you recorded all the same spot. Um,
2: yeah, to, like Foo Fighters working in Dave's garage or, or like whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, wasn't that what they did for Wasting Light? They had it all on like tape.
1: They had it all on tape, but they kind of recorded in a tent kind of or not a tent, but it was something they added outside of his house just um, because they wanted to um, be close to the family so they could have like, um, Swimming, Tom, and everything with the family, but they still had the environment of a studio.
2: Here's one thing, well, maybe a final thing. Okay. Uh, do, you, do you have like, okay, we've talked about what our favorite album is. What is your favorite Shinedown song? Ooh,
1: favorite Shinedown song? I don't know if I have just a one. Um,
2: what is yours? Um, I don't know. I ask you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
2: I guess I would probably say... Like, maybe Bully isn't my number one, but I would probably say Bully might be near at the top just because I think that that's a good, well-produced song. Like, the anthem thing I was talking about, that's probably their peak for, like, maybe an anthem thing. Um, and then Carried Away really surprised me, but I would probably say uh, maybe Breaking Inside would probably be number one. hmm
1: I don't know. I'm really weird. Uh, one of mine might be... Um shed
2: some light from us and them I really love that one yeah yeah like I like that one too it's like hard not to yeah like that wouldn't be in my top five I'd go shed some light and then probably I dare you Mm -hmm.
1: yeah it's really good yeah pretty much just anything from us and them could (laughs) could be on there because that's just to me like I say I still it's what I feel is their strongest album
2: um like, yeah, it's just how we're saying like a guitar, like it's just a real guitar record. And as we were saying, the band was maybe clicking
0: mm-hmm.
1: for sure. Well, I guess I, we should wrap up and um, I, I think I'll be back with the Beatles episode next month um, with Greg um, and uh, Andy has just had. Uh, some th- theme episodes with A sides. I know you just did Anthrax. Before that, wasn't it? Uh, was it ZZ Top was right before that, and then before that was uh, Pantera, right?
2: Um, a sides is my podcast that I do um, with my friend um, Brent Stortzum, and yeah, we kind of usually dive into just pick a band and just dive into them. So yeah, Anthrax was the most recent one and um we kind of ha- almost had the summer off cuz we had a lot of stuff going on but mm-hmm. um yeah cuz we recorded that Pantera one a long time ago and then the ZZ oh, Top is okay. pretty much our uh comeback but then um Brent he spoke with uh Carmine a piece who's been a drummer playing with a lot of guys so we kind of kind of bounced between stuff we'll have solo and then the uh, deep dives into a band
1: do you have a next topic that you want to tease or do you want to keep that under wraps
2: we're going to be doing one actually we're recording tomorrow so it's kind of cool i'm
0: oh wow doing
2: uh both podcasts this weekend uh but our next one is it's kind of like i had an idea and brent had an idea so we kind of fused them uh, together to make it work and it's going to be like underrated uh, albums from like um, glam bands almost like Because he was wanting to talk about underrated albums And I said well what about bands That were already established And how they kind of transitioned Into the 90s So that, that's kind of what we're doing Maybe like overlooked albums
1: Nice okay um, Well if y'all want to reach out to me um, Once again it's Sunday underscore Groove underscore on Twitter And on Instagram it's Lillo L-I-L-L-O um the little podcasting network i think we're gonna have some more shows coming out soon i think a few of them have been on well i don't think they have been on hiatus for a little bit of time it's mainly just been my show on there but typically there's uh a dc show as in dc comics uh, with russell and todd todd told me he's got something coming out soon or coming up in the near future that he's working on but i'll let him announce that when that's official Um, But yeah, uh, thank you for listening. I appreciate that. If you have any thoughts on this, reach out and tell me. And I'll tease it one last time. If you like Saint anger, tell me about it. I want to know why you like it. Um, I I still want that to happen. I I did run across. (laughs) There was somebody I saw online and I I need to figure out where it was. I saw it and reach out to them because I seriously want to have a conversation with them. I'm just curious. Um, But anyway, thanks as always for listening. Thanks, Andy, for joining me. And I will catch you all down the road.
0: I caught a chill and it's still frozen on my skin. I think about why I'm alone by myself, no one else to explain. How far do I go? No one knows if the end is so much better. Why don't we just live forever? Don't tell. And I decided to move on and I ignited disappear into the fear you know there ain't no coming back when you're still carrying the past you can't erase separate cigarette in my hand hope you won't understand I-